Coming up, I'm going to tell you how to be confident in awkward conversations. And then what employees said after trying the largest four-day work week study ever. It's interesting stuff. Let's go. Welcome to the Ken Coleman Show, where we help you discover and do what you were born to do. I want you winning at work and in life so you make more money and experience more meaning. So let's get to it, shall we? Uh, Awkward conversations. I mean, we all try to avoid them, and yet we know that they are a reality, right? And, and, And if we're doing life right, we're being real, right? Uh, when I was a kid in the 90s, a high schooler, middle schooler, the high school years, uh, I, I think it was the 90s when uh, MTV Unplugged started doing their thing. And it was just this cool session where the artist would come in and everything was unplugged. Uh, in the sense that they didn't have the big band, it was just acoustic only. And it was authentic and everybody loved it because it was just the artist and the guitar or maybe a piano and not all this big production. And it took off because it was this authenticity that viewers and fans didn't normally see. And I bring that up because if we're going to live an authentic life, there are going to be times where we're just not very guarded and just accidents happen. Um, awkward moments present themselves. And yet, even though we know this to be true, um, we don't handle it well. And so today, I'm going to teach you how to handle those awkward moments well. And I, and I want to lead off with probably one of the most awkward live television moments that I think the world has ever seen. Now, this is not a conversation, okay? But it is an awkward moment, and it really illustrates the way to handle these moments well. Steve Harvey, very well known. He's got more jobs than you could possibly imagine. And he's hosting Miss Universe. And if you haven't seen this moment, uh, this thing went viral. It was a big deal, international news, but he also handled it as well as you possibly can, despite what other haters might have said. Let's go to this moment, this brief moment where he's announcing he's announcing the runner-up and the winner of Miss Universe. Watch this. Okay, folks. Uh, th- there's. I have to apologize. The first runner-up is Colombia. Okay, so um, he apologized and handled it well after the fact, and in the moment he just kind of owns it and says it, but you could hear the unbelievable response from the audience when they figured out uh, something's wrong, and he read the name wrong. Wrong name, wrong time. And in the aftermath, again, he he handled it very well and explained what happened. And uh, that moment was painful for everybody. But I, too, have a testimony that is going to pain me greatly, Alex. Um, it is without question the most awkward moment of my professional life, and it's top five personal life. Okay? Just so embarrassing. The short version, and we'll get to the teaching, but the short version of the story was I was running an agency, an artist and speaker agency, uh, many, many years ago. And uh, my colleague, uh, 
had brought in an artist and his wife for what was going to be the final meeting before they signed the contract to come over exclusive to our agency. And um, I was not directly involved um, in the negotiations. Uh, my business partner was, he ran the music side of things. I ran the speaker side of things, but anyway, we had to kind of come together and it was just nothing more than a formality for me to meet these folks. And, and I had never met the wife before I knew the artist, but just, uh, barely, uh, and so it was one of those moments where it's just, hey, let's get to know each other and we're really excited to work together and sign the deal. So guy walks in with his wife and this is so painful, Alex. Now in the, now that I'm about ready to tell this on the air, which I've never shared this publicly, I'm really starting to have second thoughts. She walks in, he walks in and we sit down and I'm behind my desk and the three of them are sitting in front of my desk, you know, kind of just a standard executive office. And it was, we're sitting there and, and they had been in the room two to three minutes and we just sat down to get started talking. And it's in that icebreaker moment and folks in an attempt to break the ice, I humiliated myself and humiliated her, which is quite a twofer. I say to her, so how far along are you? And she replies, after her entire face goes flush red and in horror, and I could read her, and instantaneously I look left and I look at her husband's face. He's looking at me like, are you serious, dude? I quickly scan one more face left to my business partner who's just like, he's stunned. This is all happening split second. I look back at her face and then she says, I'm not pregnant, Ken. Yeah, I just want that to sit because it's still painful all these years later. It's so unbelievably awkward in this moment. I mean, this is the type of thing that my brain is now going 100,000 miles an hour. Did you kill the deal? How do you get out of this? What what in the world were you thinking? How did you even decide to just go ahead and jump out on the end of that diving board? I mean, it was bad. And I remember in the moment, I just, I just fell on the sword. I don't remember what I said specifically, but it was a combination of, well, this is really awkward. I'm an idiot, and I'm so very sorry in my attempt to just break into conversation. I'm an idiot. Please forgive me. That was essentially what I said, but there is a, there's a formula and it doesn't always have to include you saying something so wildly embarrassing like I did, but it could be an awkward conversation in a meeting where it's tense. So here's a quick little formula on how to get through awkward moments. Very simple. First, you got to acknowledge that it's awkward. You got to call it out. What we usually do in the situation is ignore it, which makes any further productive conversation impossible. Had I not owned it and fallen on the sword in that moment, we would have just stayed at this nicety level and it would have probably lasted five minutes. We ended up getting through it and ended up having productive conversation only because I completely addressed the fact that I was an idiot and had created an awkward moment and I felt very, very bad about it. And they, were, they realized that and everybody wants to move on. Uh, I also identified why it was awkward. Because I made a snap judgment, which was stupid. 
And this is important because if you try to overcompensate and then start complimenting her all of a sudden after I've just completely just destroyed her confidence, it's it's not real. She knows it's not real. I thought she was pregnant. She wasn't pregnant. That's a problem. I've already done the damage. So you don't overcompensate. You move on. And that leads to that third step. This is advancing through the conversation. We like to isolate, change the subject, whatever. Just go, boom, this is awkward. Hey, we have more important things to discuss beyond me being an idiot. So we're really excited. Let's talk. Why do you do this? Because awkward conversations can be something we grow through, not something we should avoid. So step into it and own it. It's going to be okay. All right, I have found that um, it's very easy to get a reaction on this show and uh, in social media when I talk about uh, changes to work. When I talk about remote work, people hear things that I say that I never even say. And so I imagine that this topic is going to get a decent amount of conversation as well, but uh, please listen to what I'm saying. Don't hear something that I'm not saying. Good luck. I don't know why I even say that. People hear what they want to hear, see what they want to see. So USA Today article I'm, in, I'm holding in my hands, the headline, Employers Try a Four-Day Workweek Program. I've been telling you about this. If you're new to this program, you haven't heard me talk about this, I'll give you the quick skinny. For those of you that uh, have heard me talk about this on the show, I'm going to reveal some of the findings. Um, the United Kingdom had a program billed as the world's largest four-day workweek trial. 61 companies, 2,900 employees tried this pilot program for six months from June 2022 to December 2022. Um, not every company participating in the program structured their four-day work week the same way. So while they did a four-day work week, it was not a uniform application. In other words, not everybody took Fridays off. Or not everybody had employees alternating. Only thing that was consistent was they did a four-day work week based on an eight-hour day. So 32 hours, but companies did it different ways. So the findings are not conclusive enough to say that if you do it this one way, it's super effective. So that's important to point out. It's also important to point out the industries that were involved. They involved marketing and advertising all the way to charities and healthcare. Well, here are the findings. 92% of organizations are going to continue with their four-day week. This is according to Four Day Week Global, who piloted the program. It's a nonprofit. Professors from Boston College and Cambridge University were also involved with Four Day Week Global to lead the research. The number of staff leaving, this is significant, fell by 57% over the six-month trial. That is substantial as it relates to retention numbers, which right now, retention numbers are just getting hammered by the amount of people, 4 million plus, are quitting every month and have been now as we approach two years of this. 
That's a lot of people quitting and changing jobs. A lot of people just moving, moving, moving. So staff leaving fell by 57%. So already you can see through this trial, huge retention numbers. Now, what about revenue and productivity? That's, to me, the real story. Revenue grew by 1.4% on average during the trial for nearly two dozen companies that provided enough data. Now, this is where I've got real question marks, and it's based on data. So when I talk about data, folks, I'm going to give you both sides of it. And they had a small number of companies provided enough revenue data, and, and, and so I'd like to see more companies. But of the companies that did report the financial data, revenue grew by 1.4%. That's not a mind-blowing growth number in my mind. It's, it's you know, it's nice that, that they didn't go backwards during a trial. I think that's the best marks I would give 1.4% growth. Now, another cohort of 24 companies saw revenue increase over 34% from the same period a year prior. So this is a starkly different number. So for whatever reason, they had two groups of essentially two dozen companies turn in some numbers. One group saw 1.4% on average. The other, 34%. Business performance and productivity both received an average score of 7.5 out of 10. So when you look at that, across the companies, these companies said 92% were going to stay with it. But that what they were scoring out of a 10 was a 7.5. Well, that's a C plus, right? Is that fair, Alex? I mean, you know, we get a scale of 1 to 10 is the same to 1 to 100, and we grade on that. And so I think a 75 is a C plus in most places. So here's what I'm saying. This is not a slam dunk. You got 92% saying we want to do it. But how much is emotion playing into this? And pressure from their employees are saying, this was amazing. Because when they score it, some did modestly okay on revenues. We have a lot of others that haven't reported revenues. One group saw a big jump. And I would bet you, and it's not included in this article, that the 34% jump in revenue had certain specifics as it relates to the industry as to how their revenue Uh, didn't change for a negative, but actually experienced some positives. And I think that has to do with workflow and the type of work. Not every company can do this, obviously. All right, what about employees? About 90% of employees who participated in this said they definitely want to continue on the four-day schedule. I mean, that's not surprising. In fact, if there's anything that's surprising is that it was 90%. But 10% are going, eh, I didn't like the rhythm. 55% of the workers in the study reported an increase in their ability at work. That's interesting to me. So maybe this increase in ability is tied to priorities. If you take your world of work and what you do in a a five-day week, and now you have to get it done in a four-day week, you're going to have to get better 
at prioritizing so that you have a good and effective workflow or else the stress of trying to squeeze five days of work into four days, which we've seen in some of these studies, it becomes too much. So what this says to me is that leaders and workers getting together to say, okay, we're going to move to four days a week. We are going to prioritize what is most important for you to get done. And when they do that, leaders do that for workers and workers go, okay, I'm going to spend 80% of my time on these top 20% of priorities as an example. Then all of a sudden, their abilities are better because they're not multitasking. They're not trying to balance too much. I think that's what this is saying. I can't say that conclusively. I'm trying to draw some things out of this. But as a but if I'm a leader and I'm looking at this four day work week and I see these kind of this kind of data, there's something for me to learn. Whether or not we do a four day or five day week, what is it about the prioritizing and the efficiency that becomes a win? All right, more on the employees themselves. Seventy one percent reported reduced burnout. By the end of the trial period, you absolutely got to believe that. No surprise there again. It's kind of a dovetail of what I was just saying. They're not stressed as much. I don't ever want to simplify burnout because there are different causes and different manifestations of burnout on human beings. But if I were to pick one big giant cause of all burnout, it is stress. It's just a function of who is causing the stress. Where is it coming from? And so on and so forth. Uh, this is interesting. The program also had an impact on child care for families. According to the report, it found that the time men spent looking after children increased by more than double that of women. So that's very interesting. Now, I'll, I'm just going to point something out that may make some of you uncomfortable, but I think you have to confront this stuff. Some of you are going, well, that's great. Men need to watch their kids more. I don't disagree with that. But the concern I have is that all men are not created equal, and that is not a uh, that's not a Thomas Jefferson in Declaration of Independence thing. Is that I think some men do very very well stepping in and helping out more around the house and watching kids, and I think other men do not. And I think men should pull their weight. Let me be clear. But I'm just saying, just because they should, and that they could, doesn't mean that they're wired for it or that they're built for it, and that could create some real family anxiety as well. So. I'm still waiting to see on this. See where this goes. A lot to learn still. All right, folks, welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if you are listening uh, via podcast, wherever you do that, we would love for you to follow us and give us a five-star review. Uh, it is helping us grow. You're the greatest marketing tool in the world. And because this show is adding value to you, would you consider following us and give us a five-star review and share? Why don't you? And then for those watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and share, share, share. Uh, by the way, we uh, our, our foundational tool of the Ken Coleman Show is called the Get Clear Assessment and it measures what you do best. This is talent. It measures the work you love to do, passion. And it measures the results that motivate you. We call this mission. And it puts it together in a very detailed report. 
that'll show you everything from talent traps, passion pitfalls, and missional missteps. It goes that deep into saying, hey, because you're so good here, be careful. There's an underbelly to this. And then gives you a wonderful purpose statement that for the rest of your life, you will never struggle again with self-awareness, your uniqueness in this world. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. It takes you about 15 minutes. It's only 30 bucks. KenColeman.com slash assessment. KenColeman.com slash assessment. We're coming up on graduation time. Parents, grandparents, friends, family members, this may be one of the greatest gifts you could ever give somebody. It's self-awareness. And it takes them 15 minutes. It's digital. And it's super simple. KenColeman.com slash assessment. All right, let's go to Cleveland, Ohio. Rob is on the line. Rob, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Ken. How are you? Hopefully um, it's a, a Carmen, Carmen Gia kind of day down in Nashville. Oh, my man, you're speaking my language. Yeah, it's going to be a little <laughs> rainy, but we're going to be getting out the old girl. My uh, classic 40, yeesh, no, she's now going to be 51 years old, my classic convertible Carmen Gia. we got to get Nathan a picture wow. of that. I know he's got it somewhere. <laughs> we can slap that on the screen every once in a while. Not today. Don't worry about it. Too late. But thank you, Rob, for bringing it up. What's going on? Sure. Well, I'm almost as old as your Carmen Gia at 50 years old myself. That means you're a classic, Um, baby. You're a classic. (laughs) This is, uh, yes. So um, I'm currently in a 100-year-old family business that we uh, found that we will be 100 years old in April of this year. Is it your family? uh, Yes. Okay. My grandfather started the business here in Cleveland in 1923. Wow. What's the business? And my we are commercial photographers. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so we have had the same skill set passed through our veins That's cool. for a hundred years. Yeah. And I've been doing it for 28 and hitting this goalpost, you know, it's almost like, you know, I'm, I'm the finish line is right there. And it's like the goalpost, like what's next? Is there, or does there have to be anything that's next? Um, yep. You know, if I, if, if I wasn't at a hundred years, would I even have this thought in my mind? But since, since this goal is right here, like literally I can touch it. What is that? Well, I don't, I'm not sure I understand what you mean by you're almost there. What, what, what are you talking about? Well, cause I got a month to go <laughs> to where <laughs> you're going to literally. Oh, and you're going to retire. Well, no, I, I, that's what I'm wondering. It's like what, you know, I, a month to I, go to what the company turning a hundred years. Correct. Oh, Okay. I just don't think that that's a timeline you should be focusing on. That's why I was so slow to get what you were saying. I apologize. Okay. My apologies. Like, no, who cares, who cares if the company's 100 or 120 or 220? What does Rob do. want to do? <laughs> why? Why do you care so much about that number? There's a certain legacy that No, 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 have, no, 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 no. I get that. I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't mean that you shouldn't, you should be very proud of that. But yeah, I'm saying, we're talking about your future, and I don't understand what the company turning a hundred has to do with a 50 year old dude and his future is what I'm saying. Maybe it doesn't. It that's doesn't. I'm trying to figure out. It doesn't. I, you should be very, that's why I've been so confused because I think you're confused. You're acting as though the company turning 100, this really awesome legacy that your family has all of a sudden is some artificial finish line for you. That's the way right. you've described it. You're like, well, it's literally just a, just right here. I'm like, wait a second. Do you love photography? Yeah, I do. Would you I do always, photography if I took your company's, uh, if, if I took your company away today? I was this evil Grinch who came in and just went, boop, gone. Would you do photography? Know, actually, 
in today, I don't th- actually, I don't think I would. Yeah. If, if it wasn't in the family, I don't think this is what I'd be doing. I know that's what's going on because that's why you've created this artificial timeline. I, here's what it, tell me if I'm wrong, Rob, but here's what I'm hearing below the surface. The question under the question, I'm 50 years of age. My family business is about to turn 100. That's a pretty good run. Yes. But I don't want to do it anymore. And I think because of the 100 years, it's time for me to now go. We got it to 100 years. Now it's time for me to go do something else. Dare I say what you really want to do. Well, this is what I always really wanted to do. I mean, there's only two other things I wanted to do. I remember the uh, assignment in like first grade or kindergarten. It's like, what is your career? And it was like a fireman or a truck driver, um, a stockbroker or a photographer. No, I get and it. But you just I'd... told us that you want to do something else. <laughs> you didn't say it that way because you said, no, I wouldn't do it. So you're, right. you're calling today I... for a sense of discovery. You're going, Ken, what do I do next? And I, the answer is high level, what you really want to do. And I just know there's something inside of you that you may not have shared with anybody else. But I think you've been wondering about this, maybe wondering about that. Am I right or wrong? I wonder about a lot of things. That's my, I mean, part of my favorite part of the job is talking to other people and, and what they do. So what do um, you wonder about the most? You're 50. I, Come on. It's right there. Tell me. <laughs> You're creative, yes or no? I'm a creator. Well, I'm not sure means I, everybody's, I like I'm creative. Everybody's creative. What is it that you wonder about the most? Still that little boy who wants to what? be a fireman or drive a truck or no? Or, or what I can do. Or actually, nah. what I can't do. That's the problem, Rob. You're so locked up right now, you can't even reveal your heart to me, and the answers are on your heart. And I appreciate you called me, and I'm trying to work with you. You got to share with me what's on your heart. I know there's something you've been wondering about. That's why you called today. By the way, it's okay for you to walk away from the family business. Okay. You don't need anybody's permission. I mean, I know I'm good at what I do, and that's, you know, working is. What do you you do? What do you do, Rob? Forget telling me. Don't tell me you take pictures. What do you really do? I solve problems. Boom. What problems do you want to solve in the next 10 years, 20 years of your life? Problems that fire you up the most. What are they? That's the question I think I have to figure out more. No, I, okay. You've got to be okay to share your heart. You are so freaked out right now about the plan. I am a little bit. I know, but brother, you don't have to be freaked out. You know why? Because we don't have to make this decision today. How we get there, what we have to make the decision is where we want to go. I can figure out how to climb any mountain once I know what mountain I want to climb. What is it that you want to do? Say it. What I want? I, I want to be Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Great. Tell me more. What does that mean for you? Well, I Say it. He's a lot like Dr. He's intelligent. He's well-spoken, which I'm not. He's well-read. He's well-versed. He's, what problem he's is he reading. solving? He's solving the problem of getting people to think and be self-reliant. And you want to help people do that? 
I think it's an important trait for people to have is to rely on themselves and realize. Oh, what you want values. you want to help in that. You want to help some way. You just blurted out. I, it took me seven minutes to get you to blurt out what's really on your heart, which is okay. I want to be Jordan yeah. Peterson, but you got to change the narrative. It's not I want to be Jordan Peterson. I want to be Rob, who who helps these people solve this problem so that. Have you have you taken my get clear assessment? No, I have I'm going to give it to you. I want you to take it. Oh, thank you. Thank and you. here's the deal. I want you, when you get your answers, your results, and you look at your purpose statement, you begin to get very specific on the problems that you want to solve, the people attached to those problems, and you've already done a good job of laying that out. And if we have to, I'll schedule you to come back on the show. But my friend, okay. it's time for you to start moving forward. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.